Hello. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. We hope that you will be encouraged and it builds your faith. Thanks for listening. And uh, I'll give you the verse here in just a moment. And uh, of course, we need to continue, as always, to continue to pray for our nation, um, as we should. We know that uh, our brothers and sisters in Christ in many states are still unable to have church. And uh, we want to pray for those pastors and churches in California as they continue to battle to stay open. And uh, many of them are opening against um, the governor's orders and are being fined heavily and paying a heavy price. I like what Barry said on Thursday night. He said, uh, we have to understand this is not religious persecution. Uh, It's really just intimidation. But intimidation is the first step towards persecution. But we need to continue to remember them in your prayer and pray pray for California, Oregon, and Washington State and Nevada, and some of the other neighboring states, the wildfires are just absolutely out of control. Did y'all see that? Where uh, those fires, the smoke of those fires are covering all of those states. And uh, downtown LA just looks like a big smokestack. And many of these cities, Seattle, Oregon, Portland, all of these areas, they're battling these fires. And I'm not sure what the death toll is, but there's a pretty heavy death toll. And of course, people's properties are just being burned up. And uh, they say this is the worst wildfire that has happened in a generation. Uh, So they've not experienced anything like this. California has always had that area out west at times has always had because of the winds and things. They've always had wildfires, but not to the degree that we are seeing it now. So we need to pray for them. We need to pray that God, first of all, that they would just humble themselves and come to God and seek him, that they would seek God for an answer. And we believe God... um, can answer prayer. We do believe that he does. Amen? God does that. Praise God. As I mentioned, Friday night was amazing. We had a wonderful time. You know, uh, uh, I read a book not too long ago, and it was written by the guy by the name of Mike Evans. I shared a little bit of this down at the the, uh, courthouse on Friday night. Mike Evans, of course, was someone who was a writer. He wrote for the New York Times. Uh, he also wrote many books. He's on the New York Times bestseller list. He was a writer for USA Today. Uh, he wrote uh, for the Jerusalem Post, uh, Wall Street Journal. And uh, he was one of the first men to predict that, that the possibility of 9-11 would happen. He also was one who predict the rise of radical Islam even before radical Islam, really uh, ISIS even became what it was. He was an interesting man. He wrote a book called Satan, You Cannot Have My Country. Powerful book. If you ever get a chance to read it, it's about the restoration of America and what it would take for the restoration of America. He actually served on Ronald Reagan's religious council, gave advice to the president religiously, and uh, served on his council. He's an interesting man. He tells the story. He said when Ronald Reagan, he says this in his book, when Ronald Reagan was running for president, He said, I was invited to speak briefly at an event he was hosting. At the close of the evening, I commented that I thought the greatest political body in America was the Republican Party. He quickly corrected me. He said, son, the greatest party in America is not the Republican Party, but the church. We meet once every four years, he said, but the church meets every week. And then he added, and I am not worried so much about the left wing or the right wing, I want God to heal the whole bird because it's sick. 
<laughs> After reading that, I thought, what would Ronald Reagan think of our country today if he was still living? After a later visit to Mr. Reagan in the White House, he wrote, he invited me into the over office where I where on a side table laid his mother's Bible. It was open to 2 Chronicles 7.14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. In the margin next to the scripture, Mrs. Reagan had written a note to her son. It said, Son, this scripture is for the healing of the nations. Ronald Reagan had placed, had placed his hand on that Bible uh, to open, open to that scripture when he was sworn into office the first time. As he did, the United States, the United States humiliation ended after 444 days of hell for 42 hostage, or 52 hostages who had been held captive in Iran following the overthrow of the Shah of Iran. In his second inauguration, Mr. Reagan placed his hand on that same Bible, on that same scripture, and it was in that term that the Berlin Wall fell without a shot, having been fired. In, it, it is my prayer that God-fearing men and women worldwide will seek the wisdom of the verse of this scripture, knowing that God is the only one who can change a season of war into a time of peace. Satan has intended on destroying the United States of America. His desire, however, is much more inclusive. He wants not just to destroy America, he wants to destroy mankind. It's a powerful, powerful statement and powerful verse of scripture that he read. We all know change is happening, and sometimes it's happening. It seems like there's a fast-forward button that's, that's on. No one can really script what's going on or happening, even what has happened the last six months uh, in, in society, what has happened in jobs and businesses, what we have seen taking place. And, uh, uh, and no one could have predicted such, such things that have been happening, especially the pandemic in which we all have been walking through. Surely no ministry seen what was happening or was able to be able to, but what we have experienced and what we have known is that uh, really no one was really prepared. We as the church were so settled in formality that we really wasn't prepared for what happened. And when the dust clears, we all know things will be a bit different for all of us. And we know there may never be really the same normal, but we now are walking into a season and a period in life where there will be a new normal. While things are changing and changing around us, we know the one thing that does not change is God. He's always the same. And hope is a word the believer can always cling to. You and I can always cling to the word hope because hope is a word we can all cling to. In other words, I want to share with you this morning a verse which I call a change verse in the Bible. It's one of those verses in the Bible that God gives us when massive change or transition is happening in life. In this passage of scripture, it's, it's, it's a verse of scripture that Moses gives to the children of Israel. It's a change verse. It is a verse that you look to when massive change is taking place in society or in our life. 
It is a verse that you hung on to. It hinges one, one moment to another. It is a verse that connects the past with what is becoming new. It is a verse that yet you, you hang up and you put there in a moment of change. And it's verses you lean on in times when things can be difficult. It may be verses that may be those who clung to during World War II or during the Great Depression or during 9-11 or even through this pandemic, as many of us have read through and cling to the hope of Psalms 91 that we've heard preached and said and talked about many times. It is a massive scripture. Matter of fact, Moses in this passage of scripture talks about three huge changes the children of Israel, God's people, are going to have to go through. If you'll turn with me to the book of Deuteronomy chapter 32, and in chapter 32 and 33, this is Moses' last address to God's people. It's his last message. It's his last instruction to the people of God before he goes and before he dies. It is instruction to them. And in this, he gives a change verse for them. Knowing that transition and change is happening in the children of Israel, that massive changes are coming and have come, this is a verse that he gives to them to cling to as imagery in their mind to always remember that this imagery could be something that brings hope in the midst of darkest hours. Deuteronomy chapter 32, in this passage of scripture, Moses speaks about three things in these two chapters. He talks about moving. He talks about their, the, the, God is getting ready to move them. He's going to change their scenery they're going to move from the wilderness into the promised land. He's talking to them about death, and he's talking about them uh, about death, and that Moses is not only speaking of himself, but also many of those who were in the wilderness were not going to be with them when they went in to the promised land. There was going to be new leadership, new change. Certain things were going to be different. God's economy was going to be different. God's economy was going to change. And then he talked to them about purpose what their purpose would be. Their purpose is no longer going to be those who wander in the wilderness as nomadic people, but now they're entering into the promised land, and now they're going to be agricultural, they're going to be farmers, they're going to reap what they sow. So change is coming. He speaks to them about these three changes. And when he speaks to them about these three changes, he uses an imagery here in Deuteronomy 32 in verse 10. He begins to use an imagery to help describe what the children of Israel is about to walk into. I want to encourage you this morning that the imagery that I'm going to show you this morning, I want you to take that imagery and I want you to hold it close to your heart because I want you to know that just as, as, as things change and as things new normals come, there in the Word of God, there is an anchor, a hope you can reach out for and hold on to as life changes in the coming days. I want you to look at Deuteronomy chapter 32 and verse 10. It says, he founded him in a desert land and in the wasteland, a howling wilderness. He encircled him. He instructed him. He kept him as the apple of his eye. Now, what is God saying? God is saying he found the children of Israel. He found them in a particular way. But he instructed them. He kept them. And now they've become the apple of of his eye. Do you know you're the apple of God's eye this morning? God, do you remember where he found you? Did he not find you in a desert place? 
Did he not find you in a place of desolation, in a place of destruction, in a place where you could no longer help yourself? But when he found you, he turned you and made you, and now you are the apple of his eye. Thank God he didn't leave us there. Thank God he didn't. Listen, he's not going to leave the church out. The church will thrive. The church is getting ready to rise up. The church is going to get stronger, not weaker. The church is going to get better. I'm here to tell you, faith is going to move throughout this, through the body of Christ. And I want to hear you. I've been hearing this word in the last few months, this word remnant. I don't know if God's going to send a global revival. Maybe he will. Maybe he won't. Maybe God has had enough. But I guarantee you one thing. Even in the midst of God's judgment and Him releasing judgment on the earth, whenever He does it, He always has a remnant that is faithful, that is always serving Him. And I want you to know this morning, I'm a part of that remnant, and He always protects those that are His. So no matter how bad it gets, God is with us. He walks with us. He's with us. God is with us this morning. God is with you this morning. God is with you this morning, Fred. God was with you. God is with us today. He goes on to say in verse 11, and he gives the imagery of what we're going to talk about. He says, as an eagle stirs up its nest and hovers over its young, spreading out its wings, taking them up, carrying them on its wings, so the Lord, so the Lord alone, so the Lord alone. Listen, our help cometh from the Lord, and only the Lord. So the Lord alone, it says. Not the Lord plus someone else. Not the Lord plus you. Not the Lord plus the president or plus, plus the government. The Lord alone is the one. <laughs> I feel that. I don't know if you do, but I feel that. That's all right. You'll pop in a little while. You'll pop in a little while. So the Lord alone let him... And there was no foreign God with him. It's a great passage of scripture. People confounded by the hurricane of change that was coming. God is not missing in the picture, but he's walking with them. Look at verse 12. I mean, verse 12 says it all. He is with you. I am there for you. He is with you. He is there for them. Who's them? Who's him? That's you. He is with you. God is not missing from the picture. When they pass from one land to another, from one life to a life of agriculture, from one life where they have been wild and restless to a life of reaping and sowing, from a life where, where they, they are not by themselves, but he uses the imagery to convey the revelation of change that was to come. Verse 11 says, like as an eagle in verse 11, but in verse 12 it says, so the Lord alone, or so the Lord will. What's he doing? He's attaching the imagery of an eagle to the Lord. The Lord is saying, just as I use this imagery of an eagle, so the Lord will. The similarity, as an eagle, so will the Lord be. As an eagle stirs up her nest, so shall the Lord be. He's giving the children of Israel this imagery. 
This imagery that they can take with them and carry with them. This imagery that they can find hope in. And God says when change comes, when change happens, when massive change happens, he says, remember the eagle. And he gives them this picture of the eagle who stirs her nest. He gives them this imagery of the majesticness of the eagle who's always in control. Who's always knows what to do. Who always, always keeps its composure and lives in discipline just like our God does. Who never forgets. Who always cares. Who never leaves something unattended. Who never allows something to remain alone and be lost. It never forgets what belongs to him. Are you thankful today that God, like the eagle, has, just like the eagle, is the majesty of our world? God himself is like that. He begins to say, remember the eagle. He is God. In the passage, in the imagery, he says, who breaks, who breaks up the nest. Who stirs up the nest. The word is break there. It actually means to make uncomfortable. Who stirs up the nest. Not only does he stir up the nest, the Bible says. It says, but, but uh, and hovers over its young. He broods over. He broods over to make aware. And then it says, not only does he brood over, but then it says that he spreads his wings, taking them up, carrying them on its wings. In other words, he breaks, he breaks, he stirs up the nest to make uncomfortable. He broods over to make them aware of his presence. And then it says that he bears up, in other words, to make us mature and ready, and he carries us through. How many are thankful that God will bear you up and carry you through? This is powerful imagery. This is a powerful picture. The eagle breaks up the nest. He broods over his people. The brooding is always near, always having a presence of, but not always maybe next to, but always aware of what's happening. Always brooding over. So that, so that when he broods over, you're always aware of his presence. I'm telling you, I've walked through some dark seasons in my life, but I've never denied the fact that God was not, his presence were not around me. You will walk through some dark times. You will walk through difficult times. But always remember that, that it's not just about feeling him, but know that he's always around you. His presence is always near. And some of the darkness and some of the trials to make you aware that he is there. How many have looked back and said, oh my God, had it not been for the Lord? Huh? Anybody in here going through a trial and you look back and said, oh my God, had it not been for the Lord, I would not have made it through that. That'll make you grateful. And it says, and it goes on to say, he breaks all to get us to the place of change. Why does he break? Why does he stir up? Because sometimes stirring things up gets us to the place of change that we would not have gone to on our own. Sometimes the breaking, sometimes the stirring of the nest has to take place so change can be initiated in our life. 
Sometimes by his initiating change, that change forces us to go and do and to become something we would not have become on our own had not God stirred up the nest of our hearts and stirred up the nests of our life. He broads to make us aware of his presence. And there are times we feel we want him to intervene or we say, God, why is it taking you so long? But the truth is, he's closer than you think that he is. He's always there. He's always brooding over you. To bear us up. He bears us up so that when we're ready to thrive and go, he can take us to places we've never gone before. We can reach heights and places that we've never experienced or release things in us we did not really know was there. What Moses is saying is that you're entering into a new season. This is a massive change that is taking place, but you don't have to be fearful. Do you remember that there were 12 spies that returned and 10 of them were negative and only two were positive? <laughs> the two that were positive got to go into the promised land because the other 10 were fearful. They were fearful. They weren't willing to go. They didn't want to go. They didn't understand that God bared them up. God is the one that carried them through the desert, carried them through all of the trial, carried them through the captivity of Egypt, brought them out. God, he may not have been next to them. They may not have felt him all the time, but God was always there working on their behalf. As change comes into our society and as the dust begins to clear from this pandemic and, uh, pandemic and all the things that are happening, as the dust begins to clear to know God changes stuff so that God can change you. Maybe all that's going on in our culture and society is more about him stirring the nest of the church than it is anything else. Maybe God is starting to stir a church body that has felt and have lived itself in a place of complacency and been in a place where we've not really had to really lean and trust on God and to lean towards Him. Now, as things are being stirred up, as things are being stirred up around us, sometimes it takes change in order to be change, to make change in our life. And so this imagery... I want you to see a couple of things. First of all, what this image uh, reveals. What is the revelation of this image? The revelation of this image, number one, the revelation of God who breaks up the nest. Like an eagle that stirs up the nest. And it's not all, it's not, listen, all change is not the Satan. All change is not the devil, y'all. Anytime somebody messes up your rhythm or, or change, it's like the devil's. I, we had this one lady in the church. I, well, I, I guess I can't say it. She probably don't listen. We had a lady in our church one time. She'd get up every, every, every service. And she's like, y'all pray for me because I got the devil on my back. I mean, the devil was more on her back. I could not even figure how he could be anywhere else in, in this world. But everything was the devil. Everything was the devil. The devil's behind every corner. The devil's behind every, everything, every change. Everything. Listen, maybe God is making change so that he can stir you to change so that he can get you someplace you've never been before in God. Maybe it's time for you to mature in some way and go someplace where you have not been willing to go, disciplined and in the natural. Maybe God is using whatever he has to use to, pr to promote change in your life so that he can get you where he wants you to be. 
Maybe God is trying to wake the church up. Maybe God is stirring the nest so that he can do what he's always wanted to do is produce something in the church for them to go and be what they've not been for a long time. Are you all with me? God is moving all of the unneeded props in our life. He's breaking up the nest. He's removing all the props. All of the props we've put up. All the things we've done religiously. God is shaking them up. Stirring it up. The eagle is, 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 is doing. Listen, the mother eagle will come and break up what has made the eagle comfortable. It's an interesting thing. Because what she will do is, she will come and stir the nest up and begin to stir that nest up and begin to, to pull out the very things that for a period of time has made that eagle feel comfortable. She knows that eagle will never fly until she stirs that nest up. It'll never get to where it should be until she stirs that nest up. That eagle will never reach the potential that is already in the DNA that is locked inside of that eagle unless she stirs that nest up. And I'm here to tell you, maybe the church has not seen its greatest hour, and maybe just now as the Holy Spirit begins to stir up the nest of the church, Maybe it's because God is trying to take the church someplace it's never been before, knowing that there's more in our DNA than what we're actually using right now. Maybe, maybe there's a remnant out there that's ready to walk in faith, that's ready to walk in power, that's ready to do the kingdom work of the Lord. Ha, ha, ha. Huh? Stir it up, God. Stir it up. Make you uncomfortable. Make you uncomfortable. Why? Because the stirring up removes all the props that we've leaned on in order to remain com com comfortable and not have to change. Help us, Jesus. Y'all with me? Hang with me for a couple more minutes. What's all in a nest? What's in an eagle's nest? What, it, what, is, what is she actually stirring up? I mean, there are many different things. Like, in that eagle's nest... There's feathers. There's feathers of the eagle himself. Eagles are mon monogamous, by the way. There's animal skin. In that eagle's nest, there is, there is uh, uh, all different types of vegetation. In that eagle's nest, there is straw. There is sticks. There's... There's, there's thorns. There are all kinds of things that are in the midst of it. And the reason why there's a science behind why the eagle builds the, his nest like he does. Matter of fact, did you realize that an eagle will build his nest one to three months ahead of even coming in to breeding? There's something in an eagle that there is an adrenaline that comes into an eagle a few months before it goes into mating season. And what happens is that adrenaline gets in the eagle in order for that eagle to build its nest. It is that eagle will work day and night in building that nest. He will not stop. He rarely eats. There is something that happens in that eagle that he prepares himself 
for, 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 you know, procreation, prepares himself for, for what's to come. There's that preparation. It's an adrenaline that gets inside of them to build a place for the young. The eagle will refuse. Listen, we're, it, listen, and what happens is that eagle will use that nest over and over and over again every year. But what the eagle does is he cleans out what he's made comfortable for one group of eagles and will replace it for another group. And there's only one way, one reason why an eagle will change its position of where eagles are born is if the previous group of eagles do not what they call fledge. In other words, they don't mature right. Isn't that amazing? The eagle will say, they did not mature right here. I'm going to build a nest somewhere else. They have enough sense to know that atmosphere is important. That, that being in the right environment is important. And the reason they use different things to make the nest is they want those eaglets to acquire an awareness of the things they put in that nest. They will put snake skin in that nest. They will put animal skin. They will put, they will put different types of food in that nest. They will put feathers, their parents' feathers, so they're aware of the smell and keen to the smell of the very things so that an eagle in that nest while he's there, he becomes aware of what is happening in that environment. In other words, that eagle builds that nest and he will build and he builds for what is to come and it's interesting. The eagle will begin to do. And what, what happens is, is that he begins to break up the nest. But it's amazing. That eagle will bring the enemy. He, he will even, he will make in the bone, he will bring uh, prey to that nest. Eagle has one enemy. You know what it is? It's a serpent. Isn't that amazing? He has one enemy. But guess what that eagle does? He doesn't kill the serpent where the serpent is. He carries that eagle, that serpent, to the nest, and he destroys that serpent in front of those eaglets. And then he takes the bones of that serpent, and he interwovens them into the nest because he wants those eaglets to have a sense of what the smell of the predator is. He wants them to see him devour it. He wants them to see how they handle the enemy, how they handle the one that tries to destroy them. How many know God has given us a Bible and a book, and in this book he has shown us how he has destroyed the serpent right before us? Oh, yeah, huh? He's given us the instruction on how to deal. That eagle will take that serpent and lay it right on that nest and as that snake. Now listen, here's what happens in that adult eagle. That adult eagle, there's a, a, a cells in that adult eagle that when he is in battle and he is fighting, there is a, um, his immune system becomes so strong that he's immune to poison. Whoo! Come on, y'all, I wish y'all... Let me tell you, when he gets the serpent, that serpent can bite him as many times as he wants because his immune system has been driven. He's in the middle of battle, and his, he's in the, you could say it like this, the eagle is in the spirit. <laughs> 
He's in the middle of battle. He's in the spirit. How many know you get in the spirit, there's nothing the enemy cannot take from you. Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank God there's a spiritual immune system that God has given us. Thank God that he has showed us what it is. You know what it is? It's the cross. It's the blood of Jesus. It's the power of the resurrection. <laughs> come on. Come on, y'all. y'all. Y'all acting like popcorn kernels. There's an immunity in the blood of Jesus. There's a covering in the blood of Jesus. There is an immunity that comes. The serpent may strike, but he doesn't have effect. The serpent may come after, but he can't overcome. The serpent may try to destroy you, but he can't. The serpent may try to wound you, but he can't. The serpent may try to take your family, but he can't. He may try to take your job, but he can't. He may try to take your business, but he can't. He may try to take things from you, but he can't. You know why? There's an inborn immune system inside of you. It's called the Spirit of God. It says the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives inside of you. Hallelujah. Woo! <laughs> That's good stuff. Praise God. Hallelujah. He has an advantage in battle. He has an advantage in battle. And what happens is that eagle will stir that nest up. He stirs that nest up. He begins to rip out the comfortability that's in that eagle's nest. He rips all of those things out. Listen, there are three things that happen in an eagle's nest that makes that eagle comfortable. Three things that happen. Three thing, things that the eagle does to make that nest place of comfort. First of all, you have to understand, we don't talk much about it, and zoologists don't talk about it much, but there's a huge tender side to the eagle. And as, as a majestic as he is, as a bird of prey that he is, as strong as he is, as fierce as he is among birds, there is a tenderness among the eagle that few ever see or even know because it's not revealed in nature. It's only revealed to its eaglets. The first thing that makes that eagle comforted in that nest is the, 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 the tenderness of the eagle. In other words, this surprising characteristic of this bird. And it, it, it's in this time that it invests in the eagles. It nurtures the eagles. It vigorously watches over the eagles. It will sit and incubate and warm that eaglet before it's hatched and even after it's hatched. Because it cares about the development of that eagle and not its own personal preferences. How many are thankful that when you were born, or when you came forth in Christ, that God incubated you. He stayed close to you. He cared about your development. He cared about your spiritual growth and moving forward. That eagle, through his tenderness, will bring supply and provision to that little eagle. He is, he is set on meeting that eagle's needs, that little eagle's needs. He is set on making sure that little eagle is tended to and cared for and that will be provided for. How many are thankful you serve a God who tends to you, who has incubated you, developed you, brought provision to you, 
vigorously watched over you in your new birth in Christ when you got saved? How many are thankful that God put his attention upon you? Did not leave you alone or vulnerable to the prey, but he brought people in your life. He invested in your life. He invested in you. That eagle's attention is on that bird, is on that baby bird. His attention is the nourishing and keeping. And you say, well, you've got to prove that in Scripture. I'm glad you asked. I thought you were going to ask me. Isaiah 31, verse 5 says, just as a bird flies, so does it protect and defend those that are his and defend the city of Jerusalem. Philippians 4, 9 tells us, our God shall supply all of our needs. Let me read to you Deuteronomy chapter 31 and verse 6. It says this, be strong and of good courage. Do not fear nor be afraid of them. For the Lord your God, he is the one who goes with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Hallelujah. He's a strong God with a powerful hand. But he's a loving God and a tender God and a nurturing God. To love you and to keep you and to watch over you. Then he stirs. The second thing that happens in the eagle's nest is what is called imprinting. Now, you say, well, what is imprinting? Well, it means to impress upon. Or it means to, in our, in our world, in our natural, it means to stamp or to imprint. It is what it means, to imprint. But zoologists have a word, too, for that. Zoologists calls imprinting when an animal will demonstrate before it's young who it is so that it's young has the ability to identify who it belongs to and also identify who it is. Y'all with me? In other words, it creates, it creates an object of trust. So what happens in the nest is that eagle will demonstrate every skill that that eaglet needs in order to survive. He will demonstrate it, and he will demonstrate it so that eagle's attention is not to any other animal or any other bird, but he keeps his eye on the one that is instructing him and keeping him. And in that, in that young maturation process, a thing happens which is called imprinting. It's when an eagle or an animal recognizes who it is, where it belongs, what it can do, and how it is. How many are thankful that Jesus imprinted on us? Yeah, he did. You know how I know he did? Because he came to this earth and he demonstrated for us what a holy life is. He demonstrated for us how to walk in power and how to walk in life and how to walk in the newness of life. I, I see that you don't believe me, so I'm going to read it to you. I'm just going to use the Bible. Can I read this to you? Ephesians chapter 2. It says, and, and you being made alive who were dead in your trespasses and sins. That's a great verse right there. In which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we once conducted ourselves in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and whereby 
by nature children of wrath just as others. But God, but God who is rich in mercy because of his great love which he loved us even when we were dead in our trespasses made us alive together with Christ. And what did he do? He raised us up together with him and made us sit with him in heavenly places. And in the ages to come that he might, listen, listen, what is in printing? It is a demonstration of identity, a demonstration of how to perform, of how to do. Look what it says. Look what it says. In the age to come that he might show the exceedingly riches of his grace and his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Huh? He demonstrated it to us. He imprinted it all upon the believer. He showed us how to cast out devils. He showed us how to deal with the sick. He showed us how to witness. He showed us how to love. Hallelujah. Well, Hebrews 1.3 said the radiance of his glory, the glory of God, and he and his exact expression toward us. In other words, that word there really means imprint. His glory on him, it had an imprint on us. His glory was demonstrated that we might become sons of God, that we too may do the exploits on which he had done. <laughs> demonstrated how to live and to impart it to us at, the, at every sense of the identity of the child of God. I don't know about you, but I've been imprinted this morning by Jesus. I've been imprinted this morning. The eagle learns that in printing. That eagle learns that he's an eagle. Let me tell you. This is the point where life and death is in the balance of that little eaglet's life. Most people think the eaglet would die when he is thrown out of the nest and has to learn to fly. No, no, no. Most eagles die right here. They die right here. They die right here because... They, they come. Have you ever seen like animals attack, attra, attach themselves to human beings like a lion? You ever see these guys on TV that will, did you see this one guy? He raised these lions and, uh, or no, it was a tiger. And he raised this tiger from birth and he bottled it and he fed it and he, showed, and he loved on it. And, and then finally it got so big that where it was going to rip his face off that they let it out in the wild. And like he went back like a year later where he let that lion tiger go and he called out for it. And when that tiger came back, it recognized him and jumped on him and, you know, and all of that. I thought, how, how is that? I mean, there's no way am I getting in a cage with a lion or a tiger or a bear or snake or Doberman. Right? Would you? No. 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 But why was that tiger, why was his memory triggered? There was an imprint on him of who its nurture well came from, who its demonstration of its affection came from. 
And listen, if young Christians are not imprinted upon, they will lose their ability to know their identity. And we have many Christians who are not discipled. They're not led into places of victory in their life. And it's the responsibility of the church to help imprint Christ upon their heart so that when they grow up, they know who they are in Christ Jesus. So we know who we are in Christ. They die because imprinting never takes place. And they do not develop. They do not develop. I'm telling you, we are living in a church world where we have people who are walking around who do not know who they are in Christ Jesus. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, there's been a lack of printing that has gone on. There's not been demonstrated in front of them the power of the Holy Ghost. We've just talked at people. We've not demonstrated God. We've not demonstrated faith. We've not demonstrated the Spirit. Oh, okay, I know y'all hungry. I, I'm going to hurry up. The third thing that happens in the nest is what's called fledging. See, early on, that eagle had all of its needs met. Mama brought the food. She chewed it up. She tore it up, and she fed it to the baby. Mama kept that baby warm at night. There was always in the early part of an eagle's life, you will know that one parent or the other is always in the nest. Right beside, never far away, hovering over, watching, never allowing distance. Taking care and providing, demonstrating, it would tear that meat up Use its talents, demonstrate for that eaglet how to do it. Show it, clean itself, use its beak, use its talents, flatter its wings, flow off the excess wings off of him. Anything that keeps him from, from imbalance and flying. And that eagle will demonstrate that. And then what happens? All of a sudden, something happens, something almost, almost, I mean, if PETA knew about it, they would protest. All of a sudden, that mother and father eagle stops coming around as much. All of a sudden, that mother eaglet, she no longer chews that food up, but she lays that food on the other side of the nest and drops it there and forces that eagle himself to get up and go get it and prepare it to eat it itself. It's always bigger than what they could eat, and he has to learn to shred it himself. He has to demonstrate what he's been taught. He has to demonstrate what has been shown him. That eagle mother, listen, it says she hovers. She's not in the nest, but she's around the nest. She's not there, and it's a trying time for the eagle because all of a sudden the eagle to move, he's got to move his legs. He's got to move his appendages, what he's not used to. He has excess feather on him, which he tries to shed. And, it's, and really, scientists say that it's painful for the eagle to begin to learn how to use his appendages. It's, it, it, is a, it is a process that takes place in the life of that eagle. It is this supernatural, it's this survival thing. 
He has to learn. And in the process, his talon gets stronger, his beak gets stronger, his wings will get stronger. And listen, there are two things that improve in this process of the eagle in, in, the, in the fedging. And it's called this. His eyes and his ears become more sensitive than ever before. Woo! Y'all, I'm telling you, it's like God is sitting in here today. Huh? How many know through trial? How many know through exertion and struggle and suffering and through perseverance, through endurance? How many know that your sight gets more keen? Your hearing gets more keen. You're able to hear God better. You're able to hear his voice better. You're able to know him better. Your spiritual sight gets better. You have to exercise the giftings that you have and were given. You have to demonstrate now what you have been shown. You have to demonstrate. There's a time in the believer's life when he has to begin to walk on his own and not be spoon-fed. Are you all hearing me? I'm telling you, you know why a lot of this that changed that is happening in our society? You know what we're finding out? We're finding out who the remnant is. We're finding out who those who love God are. We're finding out those who are persevering and those that are going to stay with it and those who are not going to hide from it. And I know some can't be here, but I'm telling you there's an underwear church out there. They're sitting in their underwear right now with a wife beater t-shirt on. And they're watching us live. We love all y'all online. But let me tell you what pastors have done and what churches have done. We've allowed people to remain in places of immaturity and not force them to grow. So what happens is they lose imprinting. They lose identity. They lose who they are in God because everybody's got to fight their battle and they don't know how to fight the battle themselves. They don't know how to pick up the word. They don't know how to pray. They don't know how to walk with God. And it's everybody else's fault why they're spiritually inept. I'm here to tell you, I'll tell you why. Because they refuse to demonstrate what God has shown them in his word. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. See, today we have identity without conversion. <laughs> we do. We have identity. Listen, you, you, people will identify with Christ without conversion. I see it all the time. We have, we have repentance without change. <laughs> In other words, let's put it like this. We have repentance without lordship. People are sorry for what they do, but not sorry enough to allow God to change them. <laughs> I don't know if I got the right crowd today or not. But I'm here to tell you a sign of repentance is transformation. A sign of repentance is that you come down one way, you leave another. You get with God one way, he changes you on the inside. And on the inside, you change, and it affects the way you are on the outside. You don't come down and be sorry and then leave the same way you are and treat people the same way, act the same way, do the same things you did because when Jesus touches your life, you are forever changed. Yeah, yeah, I'm a Christian. Yeah, I'm a Christian. Oh, okay. And then here's the big one. And this, this comes to, that fedging, it comes to, I got to quit. This is the big one. We have people that belong but unwilling to sacrifice. 
They want to belong. But pastor, don't ask me to grow. Don't ask me to spiritually engage my life. See, that's the whole purpose of living on mission this year. I wasn't just looking for a tagline because I understood the church, the church is in a bad place. Let me tell you why we're in a bad place. We're in a bad place because we have never got out of the nest. We've never left the nest. The world can never see the majesticness of how God has created us if we never leave the nest. The eagle's, the eagle's strength is never seen unless he leaves the nest. The eagle's, the, eagle's, the eagle's development is never seen until he leaves the nest. The eagle's strength is never on display until he leaves the nest. And I want to tell you, you can sit in here and be in the nest all you want. But it says nothing. It says nothing about God's work in you. It says nothing about God's work through you. It says nothing about your strength or your endurance or in anything about what God. Listen, let me tell you where it's demonstrated. It's demonstrated when you leave out of here and go out there and the world can see what God has done in here and in here out there. Right? Whew, my goodness. Jesus, Jesus, help us. And so... I'm going to close with this. So that, that mother, she stirs it up. And she'll come in, and she'll take her wings, and she'll slap that eagle. Kind of like my father did. That probably wasn't a good thing. Got my attention. But she will use those wings, and, and that eagle's frustrated. He's like, hey, you were just feeding me M&Ms while I laid back and was comfortable. You were just feeding me in my mouth. Now you're making me get my own food. Now you're making me move in this nest. Now you're making me do all this stuff. Now you're slapping the tar out of me. She's stirring the nest up. But every time she hits that eagle, his, his wings gets stronger because it has to flutter out of the way. It has to flutter. Uh, she'll do that for hours. And that eaglet will flutter all over that nest and flutter all over. What's she doing? She's stirring that nest up. She's stirring that nest up. And I want to tell you, that's what God does in here with some of us sometimes. He'll come in here and the Holy Ghost will hit us and, and hit us and it forces us to use and address areas of our life that don't have strength and address areas of our life where there's weakness and that nest gets stirred up. Listen, this is a place of stirring. I'm telling you, this is a place of stirring. This is a place where the nest gets stirred up so that the eaglets can become strong. Oh, Jesus, help us. And so she stirs that nest up. She shows up less frequent. That eagle's bewildered. He's confused. He's like, hey, dude, you trying to kick me out? Trying to wake that eagle up? Faith for the Christian is the flight of the eagle. Faith for the Christian is the flight of the eagle. When that eagle's ready to take flight, then he's able to walk by faith. As long as you remain in the nest and don't grow, it's everybody else that has to carry your burden, everybody else that has to carry, carry you and mature you and cover you up and protect you and keep you. But I'm here. There's something about individuals who learn how to fly out of the nest and live by faith. There's something about faith people. There's something about people that will step out and do things by faith. They don't know if it's going to work or not, but they're going to trust God. Why? Because they're being stirred to do something that makes a change in somebody else's life and stop focusing on them. I'm finished. I am. 
Pastor Adam, come. I'm telling you what I believe is going on now. God has got a calculated disturbance. He's just stirring the nest. I want to tell you that eagle will sit in there and feel like he's forgotten. Feel like he's, he's alone, but he's not alone. That, 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 those parents are just there. There's nobody going to mess with that eagle. He just, he just, he just doesn't. He's, he's learning that he's got to do it on his own. He's got, to, he's got to become what is inside of him. It's kind of like medicine bottles. Y'all get those medicine bottles, and on the, on the inside of it, it says, before you take it, it says, shake well. <laughs> shake well. That's what God is doing to his church. In order for it to be effective, he has to shake it. Shake it. Stir it up. Shake it. The revelation of God brooding over his children, hovering over the young. The passage of scripture in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, where it says, I will never leave thee or forsake thee. It's a powerful verse of scripture. Here's what you don't see in the Greek. Really, the translation should be this. This is what the translation should be. I think there's one translation that translates it right. It should be this. I will never, never, never leave you nor forsake you. It's what's called a triple negative in the Greek. In other words, it's what's saying. You know why it says it three times? Because the Father will never leave you, the Son will never leave you, and the Holy Spirit will never leave you. <laughs> hey! It, we don't see it in the translation of the English version, but that's what it is. It's a triple negative. And never, 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 never. You're never out of God's sight. You're never out of Christ's sight. You're never out of the brooding of the Holy Spirit. He's always beside you and with you. And though there is a suffering for a moment and trial for a moment, He is there. You may not see Him, but He's there. It's time to stir the nest. Stand with me if you would. Whew. So she bears him. There's one indication that that eagle's ready to leave the nest. That eagle will come up out of that nest after it's been stirred. After it's been destroyed, no more comfortability there, no more, no more provision there. It's been trained, it's been taught, it's been demonstrated, it's been loved, it's been nurtured. Now it's time to move. I, I, feel, I feel like that's what the Holy Spirit is saying to us, that we have been nurtured, we've been warmed, we've been, we've been God has, has, has brooded over us, God has, has provided for us, he's taught us how to hunt, he's taught us how He's taught us how to do and use the equipment that God has given us. The Father has demonstrated before us what we should do. He's stirring up the nest. We don't like it. We don't like what's going on in America. We don't like what's going on in the church. We don't like all this. I, I, I tell you, I can't stand going into stores with a mask on. I do it because I'm compliant. But every once in a while, I'll pull that mask down and go. <laughs> or I'll buy some nuts. See, as long as you're eating, you can't get in trouble. 
Right? That's what it says, as long as you're not eating or drinking. Have you gone to a restaurant yet and there's been the, the lady that checks you in and says, how many today, sir? Well, there's two of us. They got their mask on. You got your mask on. Big signs. Have your mask. I'm not downplaying it. Listen, I don't want anybody sick. But she'll take you from this speaker to this pulpit and set you down and remind you there, please keep your mask on till you get to your seat. How'd I get on that? But there's one way. Eagle will get at the top of that nest and perch. He'll just flap his feathers. He's just a flapping. But he has a call. It's a distinct call that that eaglet will release. You know what it does? It lets the father and mother eagle know it's had enough. <laughs> and it's ready to leave the nest. And you know what she'll do? She'll fly down, and that eagle will climb up on the pinions of that mother. And she takes that eagle high, as high as she can go. You know what she's doing? She's demonstrating potential. That eagle at that moment can't fly that high, but she's letting that eagle know that he can. How many are thankful that we're not where we should be, but we're going there? And sometimes God will show us where he's taking us long before he gets us there, but it's a demonstration of places we can go. And then as they come down, and as they descend, that mother eagle... Until that eagle learns. It's like a wally bird. You know, it's just trying to get it. And she'll, she'll, she'll catch it, bear it up again, and drop it. Do you know that eagles have been known to do that 90 times? You know what that tells me? That that mother and father never gives up until that eagle learns to fly. You know what that's telling us as a church? You never give up on nobody. You never give up on nobody. You never stop on nobody. You keep doing it till they get it. You keep doing it till they get it. You stay with them and do it. You get it till they get it. And finally that bird gets it. And there's some of you, that's what God's doing. He's dropping you. <laughs> he just wants you to learn how to fly. Help us, Lord. God is tipping us. And I feel the presence of the Holy Spirit here. If you feel that God's stirring your nest, I'm not going to lay hands on you this morning, but I want you by faith to demonstrate it. Maybe, maybe God is stirring your nest. Maybe God is stirring up the nest. Maybe God is, God is trying to imprint on you. Maybe he's fledging. Maybe he's trying to fledge. Maybe he's trying to stir you up. Maybe he's trying to get giftings in you to activate. Maybe, maybe you're at that place where the, the, the nest is being stirred and you want to step out on the edge of that nest this morning and call out to your father. 
It's the distinct call that the eagle has that is recognized by the Father. I'm telling you, there's a distinct call that you have when you cry out to God, he knows it's you. And maybe by faith, you just want to step out this morning and say, I'm stepping to the edge. My nest has been stirred. My life has been stirred. God has imprinted on me. It's time for me to grow up. It's time for me to mature. It's time for me to do what I'm called to do. It's time for me to step out. It's time for, I know God is near. I know he's brooding. I know he wants me to step on the back of his wings, and he wants to take me higher. And if that's you this morning, I want you to step out of where you are, and I want you to come down to this altar as quick as you could come. And I want you to come, and I want you to stand on the edge as though you're standing on the edge of the nest ready to fly. Because God is going to release you this morning. Come on. Come out of where you are. Come on. Some of you, step out. Step out. Come on. Step out. Step out. Step out. The eagle's calling. The eagle's calling. Step out. It's time. The nest is being stirred. 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 Jesus. Come on, your muscles, the wings, the muscles of your wings are beginning to get strong. The muscles of your wings are beginning to get strong. The Father's been flapping on you. He's been flapping. He's been flapping. He's been causing a stir in your life. He's been causing a stir around you. He's been causing a stir where you are. This pandemic, this thing, fear has come on you. Things you've, people are, are struggling. But there's a remnant in this building this morning. There is a remnant that is in this building. I know the true, true church is here this morning. There is a remnant in this building. God's getting ready to use the remnants of this hour. You're the remnant. I want you all to reach your hands out towards these that have come down. Now they're crying out to God. God's going to swoop down and carry them. And they're going to go high places. They're going to go places they never thought they'd go before. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray that the wings of your love will carry them, elevate them. Let them see the heights at which they could go. Let them see the terrain that they could conquer. Let them see the giftings that are in them, the beak, the talons, the wings, the majesticness, the skill, the ability that the eagle has that no other bird has. The ability to conquer its foe. The ability to overcome its predator. It has no living predator other than the serpent. And the serpent is no match for the eagle. Just as the serpent is no match for God. He never has been a match for God. And I pray that these that are at this altar understand the enemy has no right to areas of their life. He has no right to discourage them. No right to come upon them. For I pray that Christ will demonstrate his love toward them as he has demonstrated the blood of Jesus on the cross. So will he demonstrate his power in their life. And I pray that the power of the Holy Ghost will come on them right now where they are. Fire right now. Holy Ghost power right now. I pray over this congregation. Let the fire of God come on them. Let you be stirred and your nest be stirred. God stir in you. God stir in you, River Valley. God Thank stir you for in joining you. us for River Valley Community Greater Heights, Podcast. greater places. If you feel led to time give, to fly, you can time click to on the fly. donation link time in the description. Time to fly, 
Time to or fly above where we are right now. Time to go places we've never gone before. You can subscribe or share Hallelujah. with your friends. Thanks again for we listening. Pray this prayer. God bless you. In the name of Jesus. It's in his name we pray.